Saturdays and Sundays at 1500 and 2000 UT. Stand up! Stand up! Stand up! Stand up! Friends, we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is sunny side of sports. Right here on The Voice of America. Voice of America! Sporty greetings to all our Voice of America listeners. This is VOA Sonny Young in Washington. Welcome to the April 21st edition of the Sunny Side of Sports. Let's begin in London, where World Boxing Council heavyweight champion Tyson Fury will defend his title Saturday night when he faces fellow Britain Dillian White. A sellout crowd of 94,000 is expected at Wembley Stadium. The two fighters held what's being described as a respectful final news conference at Wembley on Wednesday. And Fury talked about his erratic trip to the top of the sport. It's been a, uh, an amazing journey, you know, from, from where I started um, all those years ago to the ups and downs and, and being away from boxing and being fat 28 stone to coming back being mentally healthy, a druggy an alcoholic all the rest of the stuff that is not i'm not ashamed of it's a part of who i am um to coming back to getting back to the top of the world and having three big fights with old deontay over there uh, and now being back in england after all these years four years away and now i'm fighting me, me old pal dillian white back at home in england for all the glory and all the belts and and who'd have thought it you know I, it, we probably didn't think, me and him didn't think we'd be doing 90-odd thousand people at Wembley. You got Mr. Golden Bollocks, haven't you? He's been stopped by a middleweight. Um, and that's it. Where is he now? You know, we're here, we're representing, and we're going to put on a good show, you know. it's uh, It's been a great journey. Um, and, and, and we're looking forward to an awesome, memorable night. Tyson Fury described the challenger, Dillian White, as his old pal. White is Fury's former sparring partner. And for White, Saturday night at Wembley will be a special occasion. And for the world title, especially at Wembley, it's not too far from where I'm from. You know, it's, it, it means everything. It's massive. You know, this is a moment I'm waiting for, obviously, in this big fight. Like Tyson said, me and him was me and him. You know, we, we weren't expected to be here, me especially anyway, obviously I'm here, you know, I've taken risks time and time and time again, I've been a couple slip up along the way, but I'm here and I'm ready to rock and roll. For his part, Tyson Fury says the many fight fans at Wembley will see a great night of boxing. Well, the fans are in for a, a real treat, 94,000 people, they're going to see a good tear up. I know Dillian, I know him personally and he knows me and we're going to rock and roll on the night. We're ready to throw down and treat us all to a hell of a barnstorm, don't worry about that. Tyson Fury has an unbeaten record of 31 wins and one draw with 22 knockouts. The draw was against Deontay Wilder in 2018. Fury then beat Wilder twice in 2020 and an 11th round knockout victory in 2021 in Las Vegas, Nevada. Dillian White has a record of 28 wins and two losses. Yes, spotted greetings. This is three-time Olympian and Beijing 2008 Olympic medalist Chika Chukumerije. You're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. Thank you. Thank you, Chika. 
In African men's football, Nigeria has been drawn with Sierra Leone, Guinea-Bissau, and Sao Tome and Principe in Group A of the qualifying competition for the 2023 Africa Cup of Nations tournament in Ivory Coast. For insights into the group, Iron Mike Mbonye spoke with the chief football writer at ACLSports.com, Fisayo Dairo. I think it's a fair group. Um, there are 12 groups in qualifying for the next Africa Cup of Nations, and the fact that up to two teams can advance from the group means it's fair for all. Yes, it's not as easy as it looks on paper for the Super Eagles. Nigeria played against Guinea-Bissau at the last Africa Cup of Nations, and although Nigeria overran them, I saw a very decent team with huge prospects. And for the Sierra Leoneans, they caused Nigeria some problems before they they qualified for the Africa Cup of Nations. So it's not as easy as it looks on paper. And for Chautomi, they could be the dark horses in the group, but I'm sure all the teams will want to fancy their chances of progressing beyond the group stage because um, two, up to two teams, like I said, can qualify and you can always make it with one random result away from home or at home. So the Super Eagles should not just sleep and say, oh, who knows, Sierra Leone, Guinea-Bissau, Sao Tome in African football. These guys could be potential banana skin. The Super Eagles of Nigeria will meet two familiar foes. Sierra Leone and Guinea-Bissau, any surprise? If we look at the way the draws were conducted, quite a number of uh, familiar positions are coming against one another. That's why we are in the same continent. You know, that's why it's always important that you have uh, this familiarity with the way teams surrounding you do play. So that Nigeria have Sierra Leone and Guinea-Bissau, two teams in the West African sub-region, of the 16 or 17 ECOWAS nations, up to 10, 12 of them are solid footballing nations. So they will always come up against one another, and it makes the trip, the mileage, a little bit easier for the Super Eagles. They don't have to travel far before playing their games, but it also brings in some difficulty in its own, in, in the sense that some of these teams are always physical, like the Guinea-Bissau side, the Sierra Leoneans, yes, they are Minos, but they could turn out to be quite more physical than the Super Eagles could bargain for. Do you think the Nigerian team will recover from the shock of Qatar World Cup exit to concentrate on the Afghan qualifiers? This is beyond what any Nigerian fan think. The Super Eagles have to bounce back from that disappointment. A lot of Nigerians have still not successfully woken up from that dream that their beloved team will not be at the World Cup in November. So it's a good thing that we have the Africa Cup of Nations coming up within the next 14 months. So they have another chance to qualify for a major competition. The Super Eagles have to bounce back from that shock. They have to take it behind them and they have to bring restore. They have to start the process of restoring that darling team that millions of Nigerian football fans have, have come to love years back. So no excuses this time around. The Federation have named coaches, assistant coaches. We expect them to name the head coach very imminently. 
and we, he will have up to one, two, three months to work before the, the first round of games in the qualifying series. That's Fisayo Dairo, the chief football writer at ACLSports.com. And Fisayo spoke with Iron Mike Mbonye on the telephone from Port Harcourt, Nigeria. I'm VOA's Sonny Young in Washington, and you're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. Elsewhere in African football, the Atlas Lions of Morocco have been drawn with South Africa, Zimbabwe, and Liberia in Group K of the qualifying competition for the 2023 Africa Cup of Nations tournament in Ivory Coast. The Moroccans are also preparing for their sixth World Cup appearance in November in Qatar. And as part of those preparations, the Atlas Lions will play a friendly match on June 1st against the U.S. men's national soccer team in the U.S. city of Cincinnati, Ohio. This will be the fourth meeting between Morocco and the USA. The Atlas Lions have won all three previous matches. Morocco will be the first African team to play the USA since Greg Berhalter was named the U.S. coach in 2018. Coach Berhalter says the USA is excited to play a fellow World Cup finalist. He says with the USA having only six international matches before the World Cup, it's a critical period for the team's preparation. The United States is currently ranked 15th in the FIFA World Rankings, while Morocco is ranked 24th. The Moroccans will be in Group F at the World Cup in Qatar, along with Belgium, Canada, and Croatia. Meanwhile, FIFA is accepting applications from anyone who wants to volunteer at the World Cup. VOA's Gwen Uten has details, and Gwen begins with comments from FIFA President Gianni Infantino, who officially launched the volunteer program in March. Friends, volunteers from uh, all over the world, what an emotion it is to be here tonight with you to officially launch the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 Volunteers Program. Thanks for being here. That is FIFA President Gianni Infantino, who officially opened the application process in Doha for all who are interested in becoming a volunteer for Qatar World Cup 2022. Applicants must be at least 18 years of age by October of this year and speak fluent English. And those who also speak Arabic will have an added advantage of being selected. FIFA is seeking volunteers from all over the globe. And last month, Infantino told the crowd of 3,500 potential volunteers that when the World Cup kicks off this November, their numbers will more than triple. You are 3,500 by the start of the World Cup on 21st of November this year. You will be over 20,000 volunteers. And thanks to you, we can show to the entire world that Qatar, that the Gulf, that the whole Middle East, that the whole Arab world 
is welcoming the world for an incredible experience here in November and December of this year. The world will unite in Qatar. The world will unite in this part of uh, the universe. The world will be together. The world will celebrate an unforgettable event. The 2022 Qatar World Cup is set to make history as not only the first tournament ever to take place in the Middle East, but also the first World Cup to be held at the end of the calendar year in November and December. And Infantino says he will need the help of tens of thousands of volunteers to stage such an unprecedented global event. We need the volunteers who are here. We need those who come from all over the world and this is exactly what FIFA is about. It's about bringing the world together, about uniting the world, about bringing all nationalities to come together and to enjoy and celebrate a peaceful event, a wonderful event, an event with a lot of uh, joy and a lot of emotion. And for this, I want to thank each and every one of you. This year's Qatar World Cup finals kick off on November 21st. And in four years, history will be made again when Canada, Mexico and the United States host the first ever expanded World Cup tournament in 2026. And that is all for me, Sonny. Back over to you. Thanks, Gwen. That's my VOA colleague, Gwen Uden. Sporty greetings. This is Randy Waldrum, coach of the Super Falcons of Nigeria. You're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. Maxwell, host of Music Time in Africa. Join me every Saturday and Sunday for an hour of awesome African music. Wake up, dance this music. Like to stay on top of new music trends? Breakout artists? New releases? Maybe you just love the classic styles and artists of the past. Or simply the sound and feel of a good beat. Whatever your pleasure, you can get it every week right here on Music Time in Africa. So join me on your local FM station, Saturdays and Sundays at 1500 and 2000 UTC. Hello sports fans, this is Paul Tergat, Marathon Champion from Kenya. You are listening to the Sony side of sports on the Voice of America. Voice of America. Paul Turgat recorded that Voice of America ID a few days after winning the 2005 New York City Marathon. The spring marathon season is in full swing, and among the latest attractions this Sunday is Hamburg. The North German city has a fine tradition of high-class results. It's where Paul Turgat's Kenyan countryman, Olympic champion and world record holder Elliot Kipchoge, made his marathon debut eight years ago. And it's the theme of marathon debuts 
which has captured the attention of the energetic Andy Edwards, who is in Hamburg for Sunday's race. Sporty greetings, Andy. Sporty greetings, Sonny. Anticipation is naturally high at what the Ethiopian Yelemzer for Yahuwah Law can achieve on her marathon debut. She's one of a group of outstanding women runners from her country who are revising the record books. She chopped a huge margin of 24 seconds off the world record for 10 kilometres on the road at Castellon in Spain two months ago and has also run the second fastest half marathon by a woman. Now, all this bodes well for success on her marathon debut in Hamburg, but it's worth noting that impressive performances and statistics at shorter distances do not guarantee success, and certainly not at the first attempt. Here are the points to bear in mind. Although all elite distance runners cover a lot of ground in training, the transition to racing 42.195 kilometres, as opposed to a long training run of, say, 35 kilometres, is big. The step to the marathon usually means running more, simple as that, compared to being a 5 and 10,000 metre runner. Not everyone finds the process easy, and some never quite manage it. Let's take the example of a fine runner, Zezene Tadessa of Eritrea. For some years, he was the world record holder for the half marathon, and there were many projections as to what he could achieve when he moved to the marathon. Now, without slighting his achievements in any way, which are considerable, he did not fulfil those hopes. Eliud Kipchoge, to take the supreme example, was a fine track runner, world champion indeed, but not the best at the half marathon, yet he found his true niche in the full distance. On the eve of her marathon debut in Hamburg, anything might be possible for Yelamzev Yahualor. Her talent is undeniable, but experience at the distance counts. Against her on Sunday will be last year's women's champion and fellow Ethiopian, Gadise Mulu, who ran a personal best of 2.26.20. There is also the Olympic silver medalist Priska Cheptu of Kenya among her rivals, though that medal was won in London ten years ago. In short, we'll have a much better idea of Yahuwah Law's talent for the distance when the race reaches 35 kilometres. That's when the real test usually begins. As a lesson for how impressive debuts sometimes fade, we need only to look at one of the contenders for the men's title in Hamburg, Segai Mekkonen, also from Ethiopia. At just 18, he made his debut to win the Dubai Marathon eight years ago, setting the fastest time ever by a junior of 2.04.32. He's not matched that since, had good performances, yes, and won the Hamburg title five years ago. But the move to the marathon can pose big challenges and not always overcome. For the sunny side of sport, this is Andy Edwards in Hamburg. Thanks, Andy. Hi, this is Larry London, the host of VOA's Border Crossings, where we feature music and interviews along with your favorite artists from around the world. Tune in and interact live with us here in Washington, D.C. Hello, Shirin. Hello, Larry. How are you? Good. How are you tonight? Border Crossings comes to you Monday through Friday at 1500 UTC GMT.
Thanks, Larry. That's Larry London, a man who's always ready to cross musical borders. I encourage our sunny side of sports listeners to follow me on Facebook and Twitter. My Facebook address is facebook.com forward slash VOA Sunny. Once again, that address, facebook.com forward slash VOA Sunny. And my Twitter handle is at VOA Sunny Sports. Once again, my Twitter handle at VOA Sunny Sports. The Basketball Africa League is back. Voice of America joins forces with Africa's Premier Men's Basketball League to bring you the second season of the BAL. 38 games. 12 teams leaving it all on the court in Senegal, Egypt, and Rwanda to determine the 2022 season champion. Tune in to VOA 24-7 FMs and to our radio and TV affiliates for some action. Pre-game, play-by-play, post-game, daily highlights, delivered by our finest commentators. Basketball Africa League 2022 on Voice of America. May the best team win. The Basketball Africa League completed its Nile Conference games on Tuesday in Cairo, Egypt. Four teams, defending league champion Zamalek of Egypt, Petro de Luanda of Angola, FAP of Cameroon, and the Cape Town Tigers of South Africa, Advance to next month's BAL playoffs in Kigali, Rwanda. You're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. Prince Nesta joined me for special Voice of America English radio coverage of the competition in Cairo. I asked Prince, was there any game in particular that stood out for you? Every game was different, but my heart was racing all the time in that Petro versus Zamalek game, which was so fast-paced. Goodness me, remember the first half and, you know, the second half. But yes, that game stood out for me. And of course, uh, you know, Cape Town Tigers came out and won against, uh, I think, uh, it was Congress, but if I'm not wrong, and won that match. But yep, those two games stood out for me, plus this one. Zamalek faced a tough opponent, uh, and I don't think they have... Faced such a tough opponent. I mean, Petro's tough, but I would say FAP defensively, they haven't faced anyone like this yet. So I really enjoyed this one for sure, son. I also enjoyed that uh, uh, Petro Zamalek uh, match. And uh, another one I enjoyed was was Cape Town beating FAP 73 to 70. uh, Last second three point shot. Uh, by the Tigers to win that, and uh, that was that was an exciting contest. Absolutely, I totally agree with you. It's been incredible hosting with you, Sunny. I've really enjoyed myself and learned a lot, and I would ask the fans to basically stick around with us. Um, you know, we've got a date, and don't be late uh, for the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> and don't forget, if you're tuning in to the Voice of America right now, it's always a fiesta. 
with Prince Nesta. <laughs> oh, yes, and no siesta. <laughs> Never a siesta with Prince Nesta. The Basketball Africa League is a partnership between the International Basketball Federation, FIBA, and the National Basketball Association, the NBA. In NBA playoff action Wednesday night, Cameroonian star Joel Embiid hit a big shot in overtime to lift the Philadelphia 76ers to a thrilling victory over the host Toronto Raptors. We'll hear from Embiid now in this report from the AP's Dave Ferry. Joel Embiid drained a three-pointer with eight-tenths of a second remaining in overtime, giving the 76ers a 104-101 triumph and a three-games-to-none lead over the Raptors. Great play call. Uh, Tobias had an amazing screen. Um, Danny had a great pass, so all I had to do really to, was to finish it, and uh, I'm glad I did it. Embiid had 33 points and 13 rebounds, helping the Sixers rally from a 17-point deficit. James Harden had 19 points and 10 assists before fouling out in the closing seconds of regulation. Tyrese Maxey chipped in 19 points for the 76ers, who can wrap up the series on Saturday. OG Ananobi scored 26 points, Gary Trent Jr. had a playoff high 24, and Precious Achua added 20 for the Raptors. I'm Dave Ferry. Sporting greetings. This is Masai Ujiri, the president of Toronto Raptors Basketball, president of Giants of Africa Foundation. You are listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. Masai Ujiri's Toronto Raptors now have their backs to the wall. They'll host Joel Embiid and the 76ers again on Saturday in Toronto, Canada. It's must win for the Raptors, who trail three games to none in the best-of-seven first-round playoff series. Meanwhile, the Chicago Bulls have evened their series with the defending champion Milwaukee Bucks at one game each. The AP's Chuck Freeman reports from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. The Bulls answered every run the Bucks had in them and held on for a 114-110 victory to even the series at 1-1. DeMar DeRozan had a playoff career-high 41 points. The Bulls grabbed the Bucks' attention by scoring the first nine points of the game and led by 14 at halftime. DeRozan says the Bulls did not want to give up the halftime lead. We had a lot of games this year where we came out in third quarter and kind of laid an egg. You know, this time around, we, we, we just... Trying to understand the moment. When the Bucks closed within three in the final minute, DeRozan helped seal the Bulls' win with a layup with 18 seconds left. Giannis Antetokounmpo had 33 to lead the Bucks. I have more fun. Like I don't feel like we were enjoying the game as much as possible. I think we kind of like, you know, um, I don't know if we set an expectation too high. Like, you know, at the end of the day, if we're not going to enjoy, we can just all go back home and just, you know. Sit home. Chris Middleton suffered an MCL sprain in the fourth quarter and will have an MRI. Chuck Freeman, Milwaukee. Thanks, Chuck. Now let's go to Boston, Massachusetts, where the Boston Celtics scored a seven-point playoff victory over the Brooklyn Nets. The AP's Gethin Coolbaugh reports. A second-half turnaround has the Celtics leading two games to none against the Nets after a 114-107 Game 2 win. Jalen Brown scored 10 of his 22 points in the fourth quarter as Boston outscored Brooklyn 29-17 to rally back from a 17-point first-half deficit. Fourth quarter, though, you know, everybody starts to, to dwindle a little bit, get a little bit tired. That's when um, we look to get going a little bit. So uh, fourth quarter, I just kept being aggressive, staying with it. And uh, 
made some plays down the stretch. Jason Tatum added 19 points and 10 assists for the Celtics. Nets star Kevin Durant finished with a game-high 27 points. They playing two or three guys on me sometimes when I'm off the ball. They, you know, mucking up actions when I run off stuff. Is I see Horford leaving his man to come over to hit me sometimes. I just playing two or three guys hit me wherever I go, you know, and that's just the nature of the beast in the playoffs. Former Celtic Kyrie Irving was held to 10 points on four of 13 shooting. I came into this nice game, uh, really evaluating the way they were going to play me, and a few shots went in and out, um, you know, and, and just getting to my spots, raising up, felt comfortable. Didn't get to the free throw line as much as I wanted to tonight. Um, didn't touch the paint as much as I wanted to tonight. Gethin Coolbaugh, Boston. Thanks, Gethin. The Celtics-Nets playoff series now moves to Brooklyn for Game 3 on Saturday night. In more NBA news, the Phoenix Suns say their leading scorer, All-Star guard Devin Booker, is out indefinitely after suffering a hamstring injury Tuesday night in a playoff game against the New Orleans Pelicans. The Pelicans upset the top-seeded Suns in Phoenix, 125-114, to to even the first-round playoff series at one game each. Booker scored a team-high 31 points for the Suns on Tuesday before suffering the injury and leaving the game in the third quarter. Game three in the Suns-Pelicans playoff series is Friday night in New Orleans, Louisiana. Meanwhile, the star guard for the Dallas Mavericks, Luka Doncic, has missed the first two games of the team's playoff series against the Utah Jazz with a strained left calf muscle. The Mavs have upgraded Doncic's status to questionable. The series is tied at one game each. And that wraps up the April 21st edition of the show. Thank you for tuning in. I'm VOA's Sonny Young in Washington, and that's the sunny side of sports. I get it.